Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Scripture tells us Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. This is what John recorded for us in his gospel. John chapter 21 is the final chapter in his account of the life of Jesus. Verse 25 is the last verse. It's like he wants us to know, you don't even know. You don't even know all of the things that Jesus said and did. The world could not contain the books that would describe everything. That's quite remarkable. It's probably a bit of hyperbole as ancient writers would talk about being selective when they had more data than they could record, but it's still remarkable. I believe what John is referring to here are the accomplishments of Jesus. They were explosive. The fact that John states this speaks to how we don't know everything that Jesus said and did. We do know some things, though. And this is why we love thinking about and studying Jesus, right? He said some things and had some conversations that challenge our thinking, that challenge our choices and actions. He also said some things that encourage. Thinking about Jesus is worthy of our time. And I hope you are benefiting from this theme. I read a book several years ago that I think is one of the best modern books on the person of Jesus. It's written by John Ortberg, and the title is, Who is this man? The Unpredictable Impact of the Inescapable Jesus. And he says this, We don't know what Jesus looked like, yet he became the most recognizable figure in the world. He had no form nor comeliness, no beauty that we should desire him, yet he became the subject of more paintings and sculptures than anyone. He never wrote a book, but he became the most popular person ever and the greatest inspiration for global linguistic development. He is the subject of more songs and music than any other human being. He died alone, yet people still die for him. He Jesus demands our attention, yet he does it in a loving way. Like when he looked at his followers and said, come and follow. Like when he looked at the blind beggar and said, receive your sight because your faith has healed you. Like when he looked at someone who was hated and said, I must be a guest in your house today. Like when he looked at his disciples and said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. The words of Jesus. The conversations of Jesus. And that's what we have been walking through this month. The adroit conversations of Jesus. The skillful, resourceful, and ingenious conversations that Jesus had with others. So far, here's what we've discovered. On Palm Sunday we noticed that Jesus had an adroit conversation that spoke to how he was ready to fulfill his father's mission to give his life for all. And what we found is that Jesus speaks to the problem of uncertainty with his sure and certain actions. On Easter Sunday, Jesus had an adroit conversation with two of his followers on the road to Emmaus. 
And what we found is that Jesus speaks to the problem of hopelessness. Last week then, we found that Jesus had an adroit conversation with the woman at the well. He was patient with her and lovingly offered true life. And what we found is that Jesus speaks to the problem of guilt. I feel it has been great for us as a faith community during this season to just go back and look at the things Jesus said. We have, and still are, obviously, walking through something we have never experienced before. When things seem a bit shaky or fearful or uncertain, you have to turn to something, right? As people seeking to live out the story of Jesus, we turn to him, his actions, and his words. We also find encouragement from each other. Church, let me share this with you because I think it will bring a smile to your face. I received a thank you card from Dr. Shannon Lamb, who spoke here a few weeks ago. And she sent this note to me, and in it, she put down three things that I really love about Valley Point. And I want to pass this on to you so you can be encouraged with the words of someone else. Here's what she said. I love Valley Point because people were super eager to affirm and encourage. This is lovely in a congregation and beautiful in an age of cynicism. I think that's great. She said, I love Valley Point because there is a culture of honesty and vulnerability. And she talked about how people just came up to her and shared thoughts and shared their lives and their stories. And then she said, I love Valley Point because people have joy in serving. I saw this in the video that was displayed and also in the stories that were shared with me. Church, please be encouraged, okay? We find encouragement from the words of Jesus, but we also find encouragement from the words of others. So smile today, okay? So I did this a few weeks ago when I was researching for this talk. I looked at Luke's gospel and just browsed through the words of Jesus. Specifically, I was looking for repeated words and I found several, like the word scripture is repeated often. The word forgiven and poor, you find quite a bit. The words blessed, blessing, or bless, you find that over and over again. Faith and faithful are used. And then I found these phrases or words used quite a bit, and I thought it was fascinating. Go and get up. You find Jesus saying that to people, go and get up. The word sorrow and kingdom and kingdom of God are often used. These words point to what Jesus wanted to share. Keep in mind, he came with a mission. Do you remember that from week one? Jesus came to die to give his life for all. Jesus came, died, and rose again, and then returned to heaven. He didn't necessarily have a lot of time to lounge around and do nothing. Everything he did and said was on purpose. His words really mattered. I think that's why his conversations were adroit, because his time was precious. 
Today we conclude this theme by looking at a couple of conversations Jesus had with others. And here's how I want to do this. I asked Sherry Kelly and Tanya Kohler, who like to research and study and teach, I asked them to identify a conversation of Jesus that is meaningful to them. I asked them to share the conversation from Scripture and why is it meaningful? And how does that particular conversation help our church in this season? You're going to hear from each of them now, and then we will roll out some takeaways. But first, a big idea. Here it is. Jesus speaks to the problem of predictability. When life gets too predictable, we can fall into patterns that can, not always, but certainly can dull our passion. Jesus disrupts that. He does. He speaks to the problem of predictability, and he does that with his unpredictable responses that challenge our thinking. It's great to have both of you sharing today. You have been studying and researching some of the adroit conversations that Jesus had with others, and I'm glad you get the opportunity to talk to us all today. Sherry, let's begin with you. What's your adroit conversation? Well, one of my favorite conversations with Jesus happens when he interacts with a Gentile woman in Matthew 15. And what I love about this story is that it has a great twist. And we all love a twist, right? right? Whether it's a book or a movie, we all love a story with a good twist when we discover something that makes us rethink everything we thought we knew about the story, when we have to go back and, and figure out what was really actually going on the whole time. So we find the story in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And they went there to get away from everything that was going on and just to have a break, to have a minute of rest. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Mm. Here's this woman pleading, begging him for help, and right. he doesn't even respond to her. Does he not hear her? Is he not listening? Does he not care about her? It's, it seems so strange. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Here they are, just trying to get a break, have a moment of rest, and she will not stop bothering them. <laughs> then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. And here the disciples are probably nodding in agreement. You know, that's right. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. <laughs> Ouch. This is not the kind of response we expect from Jesus He's finally saying something, but what he's saying is not just dismissive. It has strong overtones of prejudice. And this is a Jewish saying that Jesus is quoting, throwing it out there. They would refer to Gentiles as dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. And here comes the twist. Dear woman, mm -hmm. Jesus said to her, which is a term of affection. It's a way that you would speak to a female relative, not a stranger. Your faith is great. 
And that word great there is also translated as abundant, as huge, as fierce. It refers to a defining characteristic. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. I love how Jesus takes this situation where it's already a bit shocking to us. This is not how we expect Jesus to interact with someone. That's right. uh, With this sort of distance and this sort of coldness and dismissiveness. And we think he's ignoring her. We think he's being harsh to her. And then comes the twist. He has respect for her. He has affection for her. He praises her. And it makes us stop and think, wait, what was going on here? What was really happening? Because he praises her and then he just gives her what she wants. Her daughter is made whole. Just like that. Here it is. Mm. It's done. This really is a shocking story. But the courtesy and affection and praise that Jesus gives to her is remarkable. It really is. As you were studying this, what's really happening here? Well, at this point in the story, in Jesus' story, um, we know from reading his story in the Gospels that Jesus knows the hearts of everyone around him. Before they even approach, before they engage him, he knows what's in their hearts. So he knows what is in this Gentile woman's heart. He knows the depth of her faith. He knows her tenacity, her wit, her wisdom. And he also knows what's going on with the disciples. Mm. Um, By interacting with this woman in the way that he does, Jesus knows that he can draw out a response from her that will allow her to demonstrate her faith. He's inviting her to participate in his story. And because he already knows her, he knows that this is something that she can handle and respond well. And he also knows, um, as I said, what's going on, that something's going on with the disciples that also can be revealed by this conversation. It's very uncomfortable when he doesn't respond to her right away. And Jesus lets this discomfort sort of linger and build. He doesn't rush to fix this situation. He allows the disciples to become really discomfited by what's going on. The woman doesn't seem to be as uncomfortable as the disciples are saying, just let's get rid of this. Let's make this go away. Um, And she just responds with worship. She responds with who he is. In Mark's version of this story, it's the only time in Mark's gospel that someone calls Jesus Lord. So Mm. it's significant. Um, Jesus allows the disciples to respond to this situation with their impatience and their insensitivity to her and to the situation. She responds with worship. And then Jesus says something something that really shines a spotlight on prejudice when he repeats this ugly saying that the Jewish people would use to refer to Gentiles as dogs. You know, it might be something that, you know, they heard. It might be something that they were even thinking, you know, the disciples at this point. But to hear it from Jesus' mouth, it becomes shocking. It puts a spotlight on Uh, how terrible that sort of attitude really is. It draws attention to it. And so while the disciples are over here just 
probably freaking out. Like you right. don't, yeah, we might think that. Yeah, people say that, but you don't say it out yeah, loud. Don't you don't, you don't <laughs> call them dogs to their face, Jesus, come on. Uh, the woman doesn't hesitate a bit. She claps right back. Yes, but even the little doggies, even the purse pets get to eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. She knows what they think of her. She isn't mm -hmm. looking at them. She's not dissuaded. She is focused on Jesus. She's focused on who she knows he is and what she knows he can do. And she responds to him out of that faith. Mm. I think there's a great lesson in here for all of us. And that is no matter what may be happening around us, the circumstances, the discomforting things that we all endure in life, eyes on Jesus. And that's what she did. I love how you stated she acted out of faith. And I also love how you said that Jesus invited her to demonstrate her faith. Tanya, what strikes you as interesting about this conversation? I love the reminder that Jesus knows us so intimately. That really comes out in what you're saying. Okay, Sherry, this story, this adroit conversation how can it be part of our story? How do we use this? Well, we ask God for things too. And sometimes it seems like maybe he's not listening. Mm. Sometimes it seems like he doesn't answer right away. Sometimes it seems like he doesn't answer at all, as far as we know. Sometimes he answers and it's not what we expect from him. It's not how we would handle the situation. It's not right. what we would do. And we can be a bit taken aback by that. In those moments, in that kind of situation, we have a choice for how we can respond. We can either respond with frustration or entitlement or impatience, or we can respond based on who we know Jesus is and what he is capable of. Right now, we are all living through history, mm -hmm. and it's not something any of us want. For some of us, this experience is uncomfortable and confusing and um, unpleasant. But for others of us, it's absolutely devastating. Some of us are losing our jobs, our way to provide for our families, our security. Some of us are losing loved ones right now. Mm. It might feel like Jesus isn't listening to us or we might not understand why he is choosing to respond the way that he is. And in this discomfort, in this kind of situation, we have an opportunity to participate in the story of Jesus with how we respond. We can choose to respond with worship, to keep praying, to keep asking him because we know who he is and what he is capable of. Such a great challenge, right? Keep worshiping keep praying, and place confidence appropriately in Jesus and his capabilities. It's a wonderful reminder for us. Okay, Tanya, your adroit conversation involves Jesus and the disciples, so both mm -hmm. stories share that in common. Jesus, the disciples, and children. So when I was thinking about what adroit conversation uh, I loved, uh, I really thought first about this story in uh, Matthew 19. 
And uh, this story is recorded in three of the four Gospels. And it's just a short little paragraph. And each of the three Gospels says the words about the same. It says this. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Now, I've always loved this conversation between Jesus and his disciples because I love children. I have six children of my own, and I teach kindergarten. So the personal connection to this story for me is uh, very obvious if you know me. Uh, I, I enjoy children. And uh, as I looked into this conversation just a little bit deeper, I began to understand uh, the heart behind this story, and uh, it challenged me and uh, helped me love this story even more. If uh, we look at the context of this story, we have to jump back a chapter to Matthew 18. And there Jesus is having another discussion with his disciples. And uh, during this discussion, the disciples want to know who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom Mm. of heaven. And uh, they're asking this because they don't totally get the big picture of what's happening yet. And they're anticipating that the kingdom is going to be set up by Jesus on earth. And uh, Jesus um, is a little frustrated with them, but he goes on with this uh, story and explaining it to them. And what the disciples really wanted to know in this is they want to know Uh, what's our position? Like, what are we going to do in this kingdom? And uh, this is what Jesus uh, tells them, his response then in Matthew 18. He says, Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So the disciples weren't tracking with Jesus. And now when we go ahead to Matthew 19 and the children are coming to Jesus, they they still don't, they don't get it. They don't understand it's interesting because it seems like the disciples are still consumed with power and position. Mm-hmm. And Jesus counters that with the picture of a child mm-hmm. or humility. The disciples don't get it, but it's a little perplexing because it seems obvious. Welcome the kids, be nice to the kids, but they don't get it. So what's happening here? So during the time of Jesus, children were loved but they had no social status and children were not valued the way we would value a child today. And uh, historians tell us that in poor areas at this time, up to half of the children may die before they ever reach maturity. One scholar stated it this way, poor Gentile families often discarded babies if they thought they could not support them. So eager to get on with the business of setting up the kingdom, the disciples have little time for people 
who do not wield political power. Jesus here is changing culture. Humility is the focus, not power. The disciples didn't understand Jesus' kingdom. They didn't get that Jesus was trying to teach them childlike humility. That is what God wants from them, not power. Childlike humility. Jesus wants them to depend on him, to be powerless like children, not to depend on themselves. And just like Jesus wanted the disciples to depend on God, he wants the same from us. One of the things we love about Jesus is that he's often doing things that are counter to the culture. And there's so many lessons in there for us, and certainly that's what's happening here. Sherry, what's one of your observations about this particular story? I love how in this story, Jesus models for us how to respond when the important work we are doing is interrupted by small children. (laughs) And I feel like that's something particularly applicable to many of us right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, during this pandemic, I think many of us feel powerless. We do because there's so many things we can't accomplish. There's so many things that are unanswered. And there's so many things that we really can't figure out right now. So we feel powerless. But perhaps from this story is the truth that it's okay sometimes to be powerless and to feel that way. So how do we use this story in our lives today? So I think first, if you have some loud, messy, crazy kids at your house, uh, (laughs) enjoy it. You are doing valuable work for God. Children are a big deal. And right now, uh, during this time, because we are not just parents, but we are teachers, I feel like the stress level and the frustration um, is high because there's a lot going on. But know that your job as parents is truly important and valuable to God. I think during this time, it could be a good idea to uh, have a thankful journal. Mm. Just jot down a few things that you are thankful for. Maybe each day on a calendar, um, maybe once a week. Uh, It's great to reflect on what we're thankful for right now. And it's good to look back on. Uh, Once life gets back in the full swing of normalcy again, we have something we can look back on and reflect on and see how God worked during this time. I know I'm enjoying being stuck at home with my family. I love all the extra family time and uh, I'm enjoying it immensely. But I also want this time to end because I don't want us to ruin it either. (laughs) So it's good. Uh, Secondly, I think it's just a great time to refocus on what the community of Christ is really all about. God wants us to live in humility, and he wants us to show that in serving children, in helping the needy and the powerless. It's just a great time to focus more on that. And lastly, this is a time where we can sit in the seat of being powerless probably more than any other time that we've ever experienced, we may be feeling powerless. 
There's not a lot that we can do, but it's okay for us to feel powerless. During this time, we can depend on God. God wants us to depend on him. So during this time, just spend time with God. Get to know your Savior more and deepen that relationship in a new way. These are great steps. Thank you. It's interesting to me that you both chose conversations that involve the disciples, the close followers of Jesus. And it seems when you walk through Scripture, Jesus spent a lot of time with them, obviously. He taught, they saw the things that he did, but they often didn't understand him. Yet Jesus was very patient with them. And we do know they go on to be world changers in the sense that they take the story of Jesus and they pass it on to others. This would be a great sermon series for the future because so often we feel, don't we, that if we could just have Jesus right here physically, if we could, if we could talk to him, if we mm. could interact with him, then everything would make sense and we would understand everything and we'd, we'd do so much of a better job. And right. yet, that was not true for the disciples. That's right. They did not become world changers until they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is what we have now. That is when they really were able to understand and to participate in the kingdom in a meaningful, impactful way. All right, we'll have to do that at some point in the future. (laughs) Sounds good. I want to thank both of you. You did excellent research and you brought cultural context to the words of Jesus. And I think that's a great thing because when we understand what he did and said in his context, I think we can then take that and apply that to our context today. And you both did that. Thank you very much. I'm grateful. Okay, back to the big idea. Jesus speaks to the problem of predictability. And he does that in surprising ways. I have two takeaways as we conclude this theme. Here's the first takeaway. Do your own research on the adroit conversations of Jesus. Just open up your Bible and read the red letters, the words of Jesus. And then here's the second takeaway. As you read, allow the words and actions of Jesus to motivate you to live out his story. Do your own research on the words of Jesus and allow those words and his actions to motivate you. Father, we come to you so thankful for a month where we have been able to dive into scripture and look at these different conversations that Jesus had with others. There is so much that we can learn from him and what he shared and how he interacted with others. And God, even when we don't understand what's happening, would you give us the courage even then to dig and to research and to study and to pull the meaning from these amazing conversations and understand what Jesus was communicating and then apply that to our lives today. God, we are walking through unusual circumstances. 
I think it's been so good, so good for us just to go back and to look at what Jesus said and allow that to affirm and encourage and even challenge us today. Help us to not forget what we have walked through this month. Use it in our lives to help us be bright lights and live out the story of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.